God of grace, as we come to to listen for the gentle voice of the Spirit in our hearts, we pray that we might be open to and interested in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is well known for being the longest psalm in the psalm book. It is also well known for a variety of different verses that are therein. One of the better known verses is a verse that I'd like to read this morning. Psalm 119, 105. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. These are the words. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Simple, succinct, short. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The title for these thoughts this morning is Stop Reading About the Bible. I suppose if you heard that title, the first question, if you're like me, that would come to mind for you would be, why? What kind of advice is that coming from a preacher to parishioners? Stop reading about the Bible. Is it advice a pastor is giving to parishioners who do nothing but read about the Bible? There are students on a campus They're young professionals, hard at work. And yet the reality is, because they spend so much time reading about the Bible, they can't get to their studies. They don't quite make it to work. Is that why you're giving the recommendation to stop reading about the Bible? No. That's not the reason. Well, then why? Are you giving as a pastor advice to parishioners to stop reading about the Bible because you find that people are doing that to great length and yet there is nothing different in their lives? Well, no. That would be a good reason. In fact, I would think if you asked me that question of the family, the wife and mother of whom said to me, I can't take it anymore. I said, what's that? She said, my husband is consumed with things religious. Consumed with them. It's all he does. But he treats us in despicable ways. Well, that might be enough to cause someone to say, stop reading that stuff, but that's not why I'm saying it today. I'm not even saying it, as some in our surrounding culture might ask, because of what's being written in this day and age. If you follow it all, the bestseller lists... If you peruse the bookshelves at Barnes & Noble, you will see that among bestsellers in our day and time are books about the Bible. Not complimentary books. Books written by a wide range of atheists. Books written from the more philosophical and scientific perspective as well as from the more popular perspective. And the gist, if I could bring those books together in one simple statement, and try to describe what I understand them to be saying would simply be this, stop reading about the Bible. So maybe you ask me, is is, is that why why you're saying it? No, no, that's not the reason either. 
In fact, the reason I would say something like that, stop reading about the Bible, is simply this. I am interested in well-educated Christians. What do you mean? Well, there's an interesting thought that I ran across some years past that had to do with education, education in any field. Gentleman for whom I have a great deal of respect, an educator himself, one day in conversation said to me, you know how you can tell somebody who's truly educated, at least in the standards of educational systems around us? I said, what's that? So I can tell you what it is. The people who get an okay education are those who read about the great writers, about the great people in their fields. They read a lot about them. But he said, the people with a truly good education are those who have read the great writers. The ones who have read the great names in their fields. Not those who have merely studied about them, though there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but the ones who have studied them themselves firsthand. Stop reading about the Bible. I have a bit of a hard time pinpointing exactly when it was. Best of my recollection, it was probably about 16 years ago or thereabouts. In other words, it's after I had been in pastoral ministry, after I had been to seminary, certainly to college, after I had worked in chaplaincy for several years. It was after all of that had happened that one day I listened to a cassette tape. Most of you don't remember cassette tapes, and that pains me greatly. What's even worse is most of you don't remember eight tracks. Have you ever heard the word records? <laughs> I listen to a cassette tape. Uh, I jog in the mornings, and when I jog, I no longer listen to cassettes. Now I listen to an iPod. But in those days, I listened to cassettes. I had a voracious appetite for them because day in and day out as I jogged, I was looking typically for sermons to listen to. Well, that day I had run out of all the sermons, all the tapes I had on hand, and so I was digging through some old things that I had, box from the garage, you know how it is, dig it out, look and see, is there anything in here worth re-listening to? And I found a tape, cassette tape that I had been given some years before that a cassette tape that I had been given by the ministerial secretary of the Southwestern Union Conference. I was ordained in Texas, and the Southwestern Union Conference was part of what oversaw the Texas Conference. The afternoon, the Sabbath afternoon I was ordained, he gave me a couple of gifts. He gave me one, a small communion set, not much bigger than my Bible, a bit thicker. And then he gave me a cassette. Cassette tape by HMS Richards. On one side of the cassette tape was a sermon on living water. Exceptional sermon. Powerful sermon on living water. So I listened to that. On the other side of the cassette tape was an interview. An interview, he was basically answering this question. That was the title of that side of the tape. If I were a young minister again. Well, now that's interesting. I'd like to hear that. And so I stuck it in the Walkman and off I went. 
listening to HMS Richards. It was interesting to hear what somebody who was nearing at that time when he recorded it, the end of his not only career, but his life. It was interesting to hear him reflect back. Talk about the things that he would do differently. Wished he had known. Would change if he were a young minister again. I'm not sure I could tell you. It's been years now since I've listened to the tape. I'm not sure I could tell you all of the things he said. They were instructive. But oh, I can tell you one thing he said. One thing he said hit me right between the eyes. One thing he said hit me hard enough to almost cause me to stumble. It hit me very hard because I knew a little bit about HMS Richards. Not a lot, but a little bit. I knew he was a man of Scripture. I knew he read his Scripture and read it voraciously. I knew that because I had heard such things and read such things. But I also knew it because I had watched such things. I had watched in that time he had come to Guatemala City to preach. He was preaching at a large convocation there in Guatemala City where we lived at the time. And my dad was going to do the translation. I remember sitting out in the congregation and looking up front and seeing HMS Richards, older by that time, a bit frail, hunched over in his seat, little blanket wrapped around him. Guatemala City was cold at that time of year. Waiting as the early parts of the service moved by. He wasn't a Spanish speaker, so I'm sure he must have felt a bit lost. As the singing went on, the prayers, the scripture readings, the announcements, none of which he could understand. But I remember watching him. Elderly gentleman with poor eyesight. Hunched over in his seat. With his Bible open and held at about this distance from his face as he read and read. Reading it as though it were for the first time. I had a hunch he had read those words before. But he was enraptured by them. I remember that. I remember my dad translating for HMS Richards as he preached as he thumbed from one passage to another in his Bible. As he read that passage, as my dad translated, as he read those passages upside down. And he just read. But read them off the walls of his memory. So I remembered those things. I remembered a man devoutly dedicated to Scripture. I suppose that's why it was as I jogged down the road that morning, Mission Road, which has now disappeared into houses. So I jogged down Mission Road that morning and heard what he said he would do if he were a young minister again. He said, if I were a young minister again, I would read the Bible more. And I, I, I wanted to stop and to rewind the tape and think I, mu I'm, I must have missed something there. Because I thought he said if he were a young minister, again, he would read the Bible more. And that's what he said. 
He said, if I were a young minister again, I would read the Bible more. It's hard to describe quite what I felt at that moment. Because, truth be told, when I heard those words, if someone had stopped me and asked me, Randy, theology major in college, pastored for a number of years, working in chaplaincy, have you read the Bible through? I would probably have coughed quite a bit, would have racked my mind, and would have truthfully said, I think so. I do remember that one time when I took down my trusty King James Version and said, I'm going to read this through if it kills me. And it very nearly did. In stops and starts, lurches and stalls, I think I made it. I'm not totally sure, but I think I made it through. Oh, I've read a lot about the Bible. I would have said no question about that. I've read a great deal about the Bible. I've read those large tomes, those large dry tomes they had us read in seminary. I've read those books from college Bible classes. I've read, I couldn't tell you from how many commentaries, but many. I've read extensively about the Bible. I wonder if the person would say to me, well, no, 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 that's not actually what I was wondering. What I was actually wondering is, have you read the Bible? You see, because it's, it's, it's a good education if you've read about the Bible. If you've read the theories of inspiration. If you've read the history of the development of the canon. If you've read our understandings of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Mark. It's a good education. It's not the best education. So they might have said, I want to press you a little bit more. Have you read the Bible? Read it. Well, I didn't want to be asked that question and have to give that answer. And so I made a determination that day. It was a determination based on something else HMS Richards said. I knew this was true because... For part of my time in college, I had worked in the Adventist Book Center as the shipping clerk. And I had shipped a lot of things during those days and so knew a lot about the different books and music and other items that were sold in the Adventist Book Centers in those days. And I remembered this. HMS Richards said, you know, I decided at one point with the help of others that I was going to narrate the Bible. And so we sat down, he said, and I read the Bible out loud all the way through. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Read the Bible out loud. You can get it, he said, on tape. And he said it took about 90 hours. Now, HMS Richards was not a fast talker. He didn't race through things. And I got to thinking as I jogged down the road, if he can read the Bible through out loud, not in a hurry, in 90 hours. I certainly ought to be able to read it through to myself in 60. Just reading it. And I made a decision that day. I decided I'm going to begin tomorrow morning at Genesis 1-1. And I'm going to read for one hour. 
I'm not going to read for detailed study. I'm not going to read to try to answer the questions that arise. I'm not going to try to exegete passages. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to read. Just read. Sit down and open the Bible and begin reading. And so that's what I did. Sit down and begin. An hour a day. Sixty days later, I read Revelation 22. And what a journey it was. What a journey. There were some rough spots along the way. I'll guarantee you that. There were some rough roads. Dry terrain. Littered everywhere with begets and begots. and I just hoped I didn't run out of gas. Tank was still partially full. I thought I'll make it to the next station. To the next story. To the next song. And just kept driving. But there were also incredible vistas. There were views that I can't adequately describe. There were those moments when, without my being aware of it, driving along in a certain part of that biblical terrain, suddenly there in front of me was something I recognized. Something I knew very well. I had been there many times before. I just never realized that was the road that got me here. I hadn't been on that part of the journey. And then when I drove away, I wondered, where does this lead? I'm not sure I've been down this pathway, at least not in a long time. And sometimes the pathway would rise and sometimes it would fall. I decided at the end of that journey that this was a journey that needed to happen more often. At least for my soul's edification. So I decided that day what I will attempt to do by the grace of Jesus is the beginning of every year. I'll begin the journey again. And so, surely by His grace, that's what's happened. It's happened in different automobiles, if you will. Sometimes it's been a new one, like a new international automobile. Sometimes it's been an old one, like the King James automobile. Sometimes, in fact, one year, it was in an automobile que no habla inglés. That was a long trip. Took far more than 60 days. But by the grace of God, al fin llegamos. It was a great journey. And a journey that continues. Over the years, I have learned a number of different lessons driving that road. One lesson has been that which I've tried to underline to this point, And that is simply this. Nothing. No book. However good, however inspired, however interesting, however current. Replaces Scripture. That's where we begin. It strikes me as odd that a pastor, a pastor, a chaplain, could not say with any degree of confidence, yes, I have read it through. It also strikes me as odd 
that Christians, me, you, some of us, I hope the percentage is small, but I have a lingering lingering hunch that it's not that small. It strikes me as odd that Christians who say, we affirm this to be the Word of God. We stake our faith upon its claims. In fact, we are prepared, even if necessary, to die for its affirmations. It strikes me as odd that we might say that, never having read it. Never having sat down and read it. I've learned that's not a good place to be. And yet it is only solved in one manner. And that is, read it. Ask the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of grace, to come to walk with us, to guide us as we open those pages and begin to read. There's a second lesson I've learned. I've also learned that when you begin to read it, wow, have mercy. Do you have questions? I've challenged two churches, Loma Linda University Church and Corona Adventist Church, where I pastored some years before. I've challenged members, make it your goal this year to read through Scripture. Start January 1. Maybe reading is too daunting a task. If it's too daunting a task, you can download it onto your iPod. You can buy the CDs. Listen to it then. Because the truth is, when this word was first given to humans, it came in audible form, not in written form. That's why the apostle says faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. The vast majority of the members of the churches to which Paul wrote could not read his writing. They were not the educated class. They would gather maybe in places like this while one reader would stand up front and would begin to read Paul, an apostle, by the grace of God. And they would listen. They would hear. And their faith would grow. So if reading is too daunting, listen. But I have discovered this. When people read, when people listen, Oh, the questions. Pastor, did you know what's in Judges? Well, I have read it. What in the world? Pastor, Pastor, have you read Job? Is that in the Bible? Yes. Now I think I've read it. Pastor, I didn't realize that Mark says, but Luke says, what does that? Questions. Pastor, I had always heard that we believe, but then I read this text over here. What in the world? What does that mean? Questions. All kinds of questions. And when those questions arise, I will have to tell you that at least this pastor smiles. Maybe not to them, but inwardly. Because what it says is. Oh, so now you got to study. Now reading is no longer enough. Now you've got to begin to dig. It's not a bad way to spend the other ten months of the year. 
to choose some book, to choose Job or Psalms or Matthew and just say, I'm going to live with this. Going to live with it. Live with it until it is a part of who I am. Live with it until I know the mind of the psalmist, the heart of the gospel writer, the pulse of the apostle. I'm going to live there. So I've learned that when you read, you have questions. It's unavoidable. But I've also learned another lesson. I've also learned that the more often you take the journey, the more familiar becomes the terrain, the more precious it becomes. There are certain times and certain weeks around certain times of the early year now that I know are good weeks. I love reading those stories. Joseph, David. I love it when I come to Job. I hope it doesn't go by too quickly. The Gospels, wow. Just lingering over the stories of Jesus. I love certain times of the early year. I have learned that there are other parts of the journey that I endure. I just endure. First Chronicles, wow. Forgive the expression, but that'll put hair on your chest. That's some rough reading. It's just long genealogies. Just one after another after another. But the more times you come back, the more you begin to remember names. Oh yeah, I remember you. You were a scoundrel. I remember you. Wow. God certainly did things with what little He had to work with. Gives me hope. You soon begin to find that even in the difficult terrain, there are lessons. I've learned the more times you take the journey, the more precious it becomes. But I've also learned this. The more times you take the journey, the more it becomes part of you. The more that journey becomes familiar terrain in your own soul. It's a wonderful blessing. Because then when you sit down in a Sabbath school lesson, you sit down in a church service, you sit down to listen to Scripture being taught, and the person up front says, would you take your Bibles and open them And would you open them to Psalm 139? You find yourself saying, yes, love that psalm. Or when they say, would you open your Bibles to the second chapter of a book you may struggle to find, Habakkuk. And you say, oh, I wonder where he will go. I wonder what she will make of the just living by faith. Will we end up in Paul? It's familiar terrain. You've been there. Maybe you've discovered that Scripture is much like so many other things in life. It's like sitting down and watching a football game and saying, I know the rules of the game. 
And because of that, when it comes down to a minute and a half left, and it's a two minute, and there are two minutes left, and there are two points behind, you know why people are getting excited. If you've never watched, have no idea of the rules of the game, you yawn and say, wake me up when this is over. If you know Scripture, you don't do that. Because you know what is involved. But there's one other lesson I've learned. It may be the most precious lesson of all. It's a lesson that could be drawn from a variety of different passages in Scripture. Maybe one of the primary ones is that passage in John chapter 1. John 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. You learn that the Word, the living Word, speaks through the Word. The living Word. Maybe that's why that great theologian John Stott makes that affirmation when he says, when you approach Scripture, you soon learn that it is through what He once spoke that He once again speaks. It is through what He once spoke that He once again speaks. And as you learn that, you learn that sitting before His Word, you sense His presence. There are days when it's very clear. There are days when, as the song says, you have to trace His outline as though it were a shadow. But He speaks. So that by the time it begins to become a part of you, He becomes a part of you. He walks with you. And He talks with you. So as the ancient wise man said, there is an abundance of literature. There are books galore. The wise man said of learning there is no end, ever. More books are printed every year about Scripture. Good books. We have old books. We have new books. We have inspired books and inspiring books. All kinds of things we can read about the Bible. They're good. But as a friend of Jesus, you don't want a good education. You want a great education. And so I would say, at least for a season of your life, at least for a period of your year, stop reading about the Bible. Instead, read the Bible. God of grace, how profoundly grateful we are that You humbled Yourself to become wrapped in human flesh. And that You humbled Yourself to become revealed in human words. Lord, let us make those words a part of our lives. Amen.